بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد وعن عائشه رضي الله عنها قالت كان لابي بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه غلام يخرج له الخراج وكان ابو بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه ياكل من خراجه فجاء يوما بشيء فاكل منه ابو بكر فقال له الغلام تدري ما هذا فقال ابو بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه وما هو قال كنت تكهنت لانسان في الجاهليه وما احسن الكهانه الا اني خدعته فلقيني فاعطاني بذلك هذا الذي اكلت منه فدخل ابو بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه يده فدخل ابو بكر يده فقاع كل شيء في بطنه رواه البخاري Aisha radiyallahu anha is the narrator this incident we discussed most of it yesterday nevertheless just to complete it she says that Abu Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu had a slave who used to earn for him as we mentioned this term kharaj which is mentioned in the hadith refers to a stipend which used to be allocated by the owner of a slave that each day he had to earn this amount and give his master anything over and above that he would keep for himself nevertheless abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala used to consume from the earnings of the slave one day he brought something abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala who consumed some from it then the slave asked abu bakr do you know how i procured these funds abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala said tell me So he said, I used to practice astrology for a person in the days of ignorance. And I was not good. I was not proficient in astrology. I didn't really know how to do it, but I deceived this person. Up to this point, we discussed, there are two things we have to understand and consider here. First of all, the practice of astrology and anything linked to it is totally haram and forbidden in chariyat. So that was the first wrong which this person was involved in. Secondly, he was deceiving. He didn't even know how to practice astrology. So he was deceiving the person for whom he was practicing astrology. The principle in shariat that is mentioned, that inna allaha ta'ala idha harrama shay'an harrama thamanahu. Alisa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that verily when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids something then the earnings of that which is forbidden is also haram. So if the practice of something is haram then whatever you earn from that also will be haram. فَالْأُجْرَةُ عَلَى فِعْلِ الْحَرَامِ حَرَامٌ Ulamai Ikram mentioned the earnings of doing something which is haram will also be haram. So one is, this practice itself was haram, deception also is haram. So anything that he would have acquired from this will not be permissible. So this slave says to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that he gave me this in, earn, in lieu of some funds or some amount that he was owing me from, from some astrology which I had practiced in the past. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the fountainhead of piety and taqwa. It's mentioned he put his hand into his mouth forcibly 
and caused himself to vomit whatever was there in his stomach. Obviously, the underlying reason for such a practice or such an action by Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu is to avoid that any trace of this food or any nutrition or nourishment derived thereby should enter the bloodstream. So this disturbed Abu Bakr ta'ala so much that something haram had entered his stomach that Abu Bakr ta'ala who forcibly vomited whatever he had consumed. We can see quite clearly the reason why Imam Nawi rahimahullah has introduced this incident under the chapter which deals with piety and staying away from that which is doubtful. In this instance, what, the, what Abu Bakr ta'ala had consumed was not doubtful, was totally haram. And he would not allow that it should even remain within his system. So he vomited it out. إنما هاجر به أبوه يقول ليس هو كمن هاجر بنفسه رواه البخاري. One incident of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and immediately after that Imam Nawi rahimullah brings an incident which pertains to Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu in which we see the piety and the caution that was ex- exercised by Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu in respect of the public funds and the apportioning of the funds, of, of those funds. Nafi' was the slave of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He remained in the service of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu uh, Nafi was the slave of Abdullah bin Umar. Abdullah bin Umar was the son of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Nafi' was a tabi'i, that is the generation after the Sahaba. He stayed in the service of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma for 30 years. And Nafi' was known for his extreme piety, his taqwa, his wisdom. He passed away in the 117th year of Hijrah. Nafi' narrates with it, says that Sayyidina Umar ta'ala anhu from the public funds would stipulate for the muhajirin awaleen muhajirin awaleen means those who made hijrat in the early stages hijrat meaning left Makkah Mukarramah and emigrated to Medina Munawwara Umar ta'ala anhu presided or was the Khalifa over the Muslim world at a time of what Muharrikhin referred to as Futuhat, in other words, conquests and victories, and great wealth poured into Medina Munawwara. From the public funds, there used to be an amount that was stipulated that would be paid out on a monthly basis to the Muhajirin Awaleen an amount of 4,000, whatever the currency was at that time. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu 
stipulated from the public funds a monthly payout of 4,000 to the muhajirin awaleen And for his son, the amount that Umar ta'ala anhu stipulated was 3,500. For Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhumah. So it was said to him that Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhumah is also from the muhajireen, those who made hijrat in the early stages. That is the group which emigrated from Makkah Mukarramah to Medina Munawwara with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So why have you reduced his portion? The rest of the muhajireen awaleen, you have set for them 4,000. For Abdullah bin Umar, who is your own son, and he was also a muhajir, he is also entitled to 4,000. Why did you reduce his amount? So Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu responded to this, and he said, إِنَّمَا هَاجَرَ بِهِ أَبُوهُ That Abdullah bin Umar made hijrat, but he made hijrat accompanied by his parents. What this means, or what it refers to, was at the time of Hijrat, Abdullah bin Umar was a young boy. His age was about 11 years. This is estimated by the Muharrikhin, by the historians, because we find that when the Battle of Uhud took place, it is mentioned about Abdullah bin Umar that he had just entered the age of 14. And Uhud, Ghaliban, took place in Shawwal of the third year of Hijrah. So it is estimated that at the time of Hijrah, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah was a young man or a youngster of 11 years of age. Therefore, according to the reasoning of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he did not bear the same difficulty and challenges that the other muhajireen bore because he was a youngster and he was accompanied by his own, by his parents. So, لَيْسَ هُوَ كَمَنْ هَاجَرَ بِنَفْسِهِ so he is not the same or he didn't bear the same difficulties and challenges of those who made hijrat on their own. So those who in acknowledgement of the qurbani, of the sacrifice, of the hardships that were borne by those who made hijrat on their own, shariat had stipulated 4,000 for as their monthly stipend in acknowledgement of the qurbani and sacrifice. Because Abdullah bin Umar was 11 years and he was accompanied by his parents. He didn't bear the same level. This is why I have reduced the amount that is apportioned to him. Obviously, technically, Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma was rightfully due to 4,000. This, this incident or this change in the amount that was apportioned to him indicates or points out to the piety and caution exercised by Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma in the case of his own son and his own offspring. And we see Abdullah bin Umar on the other hand, despite the fact that he was entitled to 4,000, he did not object to the fact that his father reduced the amount because this was also indicative of his taqwa and piety. When Atiyyata ibn Urwata Sa'adi al-Sahabi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la yablughu al-abd an yakuna min al-muttaqeen hatta yada'a ma la ba'sa bihi hadharan 
لما به بأس رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن we reach the final hadith in the chapter which deals with piety and abstinence the narrator of this hadith is Atiyah bin Urwa radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he is a sahabi and we find that three ahadith are narrated from him he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said La yablughul abdu an yakuna min al-muttaqeen A person will never attain the rank of the muttaqeen The position of the truly pious And those who are devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Until he does not avoid things which constitute no worldly benefit Ma la ba'sa bihi Ma la ba'sa bihi means things which are of no benefit in one, one translation. Other translation means things which are of no harm. In other words, things which are permissible. So Nabi Wasallam said, if you want to become amongst the muttaqin, you have to leave that which is permissible also. Stay away from that which is permissible also. Why? Because of the fear that it might lead you towards the impermissible. In other words, the gray areas, things which, even though they are permissible, by involving yourself in them, there is a fear and a possibility that eventually it will lead you towards that which is impermissible. So stay away from the permissible things, the shady permissible things, so that you, so that you don't go even near that which is haram. If you want to become amongst those who are the muttaqeen, the darajatul muttaqeen, the people of true taqwa, and the people of true piety. This, the underlying meaning of this hadith also is that stay away from things which have no value or benefit. Because the time and the life which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us is way too valuable for us to waste it in trivial pursuits, for us to waste it in things which are of no benefit at all. Even though they may be permissible, something is not beneficial to you, even though if it, it is permissible, stay away from that also. Uh, so we find that this is an overriding principle of shariat. Anything that will eventually lead towards haram, we are advised to stay away from that also. Things which, by involving ourselves in them, they will lead us to haram, stay away from that also. And very, very important, stay away from things which do not have any real benefit for us. The life and time which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, is very very valuable so we should be very very careful how we utilize that like your stuff fix one